This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 65 of Real Blend, a podcast that is in the endgame now. We are less than one week uh, away ooh. from having is this, seen wait, is this the last Avengers episode and- before we all see it? It sure is. Oh! I so know. We're going to record the Wednesday after we see the movie all on Tuesday. We got we have to do a full recording that day. I mean, I guess so, but it will be like a reaction, but yeah. we can't really talk about it, well, though, right? We can review the movie. Remember, see, there's a thing. There's, there's a big difference. Yeah. You can review a film. Like, I'm yes. going to review Endgame on the air that Wednesday or Thursday of the release date, but right. we're, we're all professionals. We're not going to spoil anything. Oh, no, not spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'd almost hate to get, like, well, I guess people could start seeing it. Like, say we record Wednesday. It drops Thursday. People could see it that night. Yeah. All right, that's fine. Yes. What about you? In, what about in, you? in Game of Thrones <laughs> we're talk, we're, we're sweet summer children right now, and then oh, we'll be yes. we'll be hardened by the winter the next time. Oh my god! Okay, this movie cannot disappoint, right? It really, it's. Am I, is it just I'm getting weirdly <sighs> nervous? I am too, we, um, and and I'm I think nervous. a lot of it has to do with my uh, apprehension about the Captain Marvel character. Okay. The, the more and more, the closer we get to Endgame, the more and more I'm thinking. I think I'm going to, I'm just afraid I'm going to like it, not love it. I don't know why. I don't know. Like, I, like, I, there's no I reason. I was ecstatic, but now all of a sudden I'm feeling this like, why am I, why am I nervous? Right. I'm, I, know. I'm, I, I will say that I think the nerves and I know we got to move on, but I think the nerves are probably more of the idea that you just don't want to be let down. I think, yeah. I, 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 and I think there's no 100%. reason for the film to have any inkling of being let down. Uh, but I do feel that there is a, we have a bar set from Infinity War and sure. Civil War and Winter Soldier. Um, that, <laughs> and I, I think the Russos are fully aware of that. And from what I understand, it, the three hours is going to be important. Everything it's like, a, like, it's like uh, you know, a sports wait. team that just keeps winning the championship over and over and over again. And at a certain point, you have to expect them to lose. Right. And I'm just afraid that this is going to, you know, this is, this is the, the time that they're going to get there and, and get you know, to the championship and then fall short. Right. That's what well, I'm we, afraid of. We're ahead of ourselves. Um, my name is Sean O'Connell, obviously managing director here at Cinema Blend. Uh, this is Real Blend, episode number 65. We have a lot to get to today. Uh, we're going to be talking about the meetup that we did in Chicago. We're going to talk about Star Wars Celebration. We will be playing hashtag RDJ Blend as we stay fully into the Marvel Avengers world for the next three weeks or so, uh, where we're going to have uh, Marvel-themed blend games, uh, or at least actors from there. But as always, of course, I'm joined by two of my best friends and co-stars in uh, the Real Blend world, Kevin McCarthy of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Kevin, how are you? Sean, good afternoon. I have some uh, puns already fired up and ready to go. I'm very <laughs> excited about the puns I have today. Are they puns? I was yeah, debating yeah. this. Or or is it wordplay? Uh, I don't know. Uh, what's the definition um, of a pun? The English minor in me, like it's starting to like tick away where I'm sitting there going, is it a pun? See, I, I don't really know. Wordplay. See, the, the, the I think question, it's just wordplay. 
The question Jake's asking right now is the same reason he was questioning the ending of Us. He's just trying to like dig into the persnickety details no, of every little thing that we do. <laughs> see, that's 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 a that's a very flawed way of thinking. Like, oh, like you're actually trying to get it right. How dare you? You're actually, you're actually trying to decide if something is, is is factual. That's called being a journalist, McCarthy. I know. You know, They're I love you, known Sean. As puns. They're collectively Sean. known as puns by the audience. Yes. I'm gonna fire one off before you introduce Jake because I feel like it. All right. Oh, <laughs> All right. So we saw Star Wars Rise of the Skywalker Rise of the Skywalker Rise of Skywalker trailer right we saw that yes. at, at, at the uh, celebration in Chicago we, we did yes and uh, we saw Palpatine was being reintroduced into this particular storyline he is who, who was that Palpatine I said it on purpose Palpatine <laughs> <laughs> I said that earlier today by mistake. I think that's um, from Christmas Story, right? When he yeah. decoded the, it was drink more Palpatine. Right. All right. You know, what? I'm gonna skip this one and we'll come back to it. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Set up. All right, guys. Right. Introduce anyway. Jake. Yes, and also. Uh, Jake oh, Hamilton. and also Jake's here. And also Jake Hamilton. Also, Jake. It's, it's like it's like when Daenerys Targaryen got like 18 different intros, and then <laughs> uh, uh, this is Jon Snow. This is Jon Snow. He's the king in the north. I'm the king oh. of the north. Although not for much longer. Uh, can we do... Oh, hold on. I'll wait and plug that in a second. Can we Roll it again. Game of Thrones now? Or is that down in the notes, Gabe? No? Later? All right, fine. We'll do it later. Um, listen, we have something over at Cinema Blend that we want everybody to partake in. It's called the Avengers Death Pool. And what we did was we set up this online pool where you can start to guess who you think is going to live and who's going to die in Endgame. And I'll tell you that um, I did it. I went through and I had far less people dying than I actually thought. Um, and this includes dusted people. This includes people who are still fighting right now. The winner of this online death pool, we're going to have a winner. See who gets the closest. Is going to receive a Marvel Legends series Infinity Gauntlet that we have at Cinema Blend. So you're going to want to go over. Yes. You're going to want to go over and partake, oh. partake in this. And you guys, I'll say this on the air. I don't know if it's true or not, but I think each of you are eligible. I'm making oh. you both eligible. Yes, to potentially win. Or you could just... Get us one of those. <laughs> Does he give it to you? Does I know you have some pull, managing director of Cinema Blend. I might have a little. I might have a little bit of pull. Yes. Does it come mm, with Josh Brolin? Yes, Brolin delivers it to you. Okay. If you if you win it, Kevin Brolin legitimately will deliver. It you to know, it would be really funny. Like they did and a bit where like, Bro Brolin goes around and, and and delivers these, but you have to take it off of his hand like Spidey tried to. Oh, he's uh, so yeah. close. He got so close. <laughs> <laughs> it was coming right off. All right. Here's how you enter. Uh, you can either go to the show notes uh, at whatever podcast app that you are using, and we will have a link to the Avengers Deathpool quiz. So you can enter and you can win, or you can actually go to the website bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y backslash Real Blend Deathpool. And that's a capital R, a capital B, a capital D, and a capital P. So Real Blend Deathpool, bit.ly backslash Real Blend Deathpool if you guys want to enter. So... Find the link. If you guys have a hard time finding it, hit us up on social media and you guys can enter to guess who is going to win, who's going to die. And again, the winner is going to get a Marvel Legends series, Infinity Gauntlet, all their own. So good luck. Good luck. Hey, Sean. Yes, Kevin. I was just curious. I was reading an article the other day. I was just curious if you'd heard about this yet. Have you heard, have you heard, about, Pal <laughs> <laughs> have you heard about Palpatine's favorite Chris Evans movie? <laughs> Hold on. Uh, no, I have not. <laughs> not another Palpatine movie. Ah! <laughs> yeah. That's actually really good. Yeah. <laughs> Jake's laughing. You can see Jake's he's worked. actually laughing. Did you, yes. his, did you hear about his favorite uh, Lindsay Lohan movie? No, no puns. 
Palpable Mean Girls. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyways. All right, reviews. Uh, you guys can also send us reviews, obviously, to the Real Blend uh, email, uh, realblend at cinemablend.com, um, or you can head over to the, uh, well, there's an iTunes spot where you can drop reviews, or you can send them uh, via direct message on our Twitter account. We have two this week to get to. The first one is from Christina Armstrong, who writes, I've been listening to the podcast for over a year now, and I look forward to new episodes. The hosts bring a different perspective. For instance, Kevin's focus on how a scene was shot. Sean give, seems to highlight a film's heart or lack thereof, and I can count on Jake to call out any nonsense about a film or industry politics. I thought they were just going to say, also Jake's there. Also, <laughs> stop. See, whoever goes Jake last ends up getting the short shrift. Um, the discussions about how each host prepares for an interview was an eye-opener because I never realized that so much time and effort was required, which is a testament to how effortless you all make it seem to the audience. Although I enjoy the podcast, I have a recommendation. While I know that they exist somewhere, women are underrepresented in the film review industry, in my opinion. The episodes in which women provide a point of view are especially refreshing, i.e. Lauren explained her favorite musical, although I'm not a fan of the genre. Oh, Kevin, that's your wife, Lauren. When she talked about... Oh, yeah. During the Toronto episode, she was talking about her favorite musicals. That's my wife. It's your wife. I think she talked about... Moulin Rouge. Does she love she, Moulin Rouge? She did. Moulin yeah. Rouge is definitely her favorite musical. Yes. I also like when the when the women are the subject of the blend game. Have you all considered a woman director or screenwriter for a blend game? Ooh. Also, I'd like to hear... This is great. Also, I'd like to hear more puns from Sean, much better, and less from Kevin. Yeah. Also. Hey. <laughs> Palpatine movie was pretty good. Come on. Give me Palpatine movie. Come Not on. another Palpatine movie. Yeah, actually, come on. Really. Give that's, me that. Give me that. And for some Jesus. reason, I keep adding an L, an extra L into his name. I don't know why, but I do. She says, keep up the good work and Dunkirk with an exclamation point. That is Christina Armstrong. Christina, thank you so much for that review. I do have a recommendation for if we if, if we do a female director blend, which I know we will, but I would, I'd love to do Sofia Coppola blend. That'd be or, great. Uh, yeah. I think she much. has a lot of great films that I would have a hard time picking and choosing what my favorite of hers is. Or Catherine Bigelow blend. Didn't, didn't we Bigel- do did- Catherine Bigelow blend? No, it didn't. Game? Bigelow didn't Bigelow direct Point Break? She did. Yeah. I mean, yes. I mean, her filmography is unbelievable. I think we did. I think we did Keanu Reeves blend, which is why Point Break came up at some point. Yeah, we mm. didn't do Bigelow blend yet, or Coppola. And it's funny. We maybe we could do like a double dose for Coppola. Ford, uh, Francis, and Sophia, like in the same week. That'd be kind of cool. I don't know. Just just uh, thinking. Just thinking. We're throwing it out there. Uh, this right. second review comes to us from Arthur Mingo, who we met at the hey, uh, Chicago Arthur. meetup. Arthur is the one who uh, received our free piece of cake, uh, or free cake, that we sent him for being our 200th Twitter follower way back when. He says... Every listener, this is subject, every listener is the fourth member. I love that subject line. I recommend Real Blend for various reasons, but the most important reason is the Real Blend podcast is like being in a room with friends. Likewise, what drives this show forward is that these men work in entertainment and can relay to us, the audience, information and insight few others can about reviewed movies, actors, directors, and the industry. I do not know how I discovered Real Blend, but it probably had to do with Jake Hamilton since he is the entertainment correspondent for my local Chicago Fox affiliate. The two added spices which elevate the podcast are the various drop-ins from industry insiders, i.e. the podcast's patron saints like director Robert Rodriguez and Alfonso Cuaron, And second, the Real Blend community. Both the hosts and fans of Real Blend, 
Blenders, learn and talk to each other on Twitter and Discord about the podcast and movies. So many other programs talk to their audience, but Sean, Kevin, and Jake talk with their audience, making you, the listener, feel like you are the fourth member. And that single fact, more than anything else, keeps me, and hopefully you, a faithful listener. P.S. I went to the Chicago post-Star Wars celebration meet and greet and got to meet Sean, Kevin, and Jake, and Gabe, their producer, and the fellow Blenders. The love and affection these four have for each other and for fans of the podcast and vice versa was palpable, not Palpatine. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is like, the, this is this, that crunch, I am not going to be able to not pronounce his name cre- uh, correctly ever again. It's going to be Palpatine from now on. These four men are open and honest, charitable and genuine. What you see is what you get. That is from Arthur Mingo, who we oh. met uh, in Chicago. Great dude. Really great dude. That's why I'm mixing it up. Palpable. Palpable. Up. Yes. Hey, by the way, um, so I, I, I know we're... Thank Thank you, Arthur, for your review. Great, Great meeting review. you at the meetup. Um, he, he was super nice. Mm-hmm. Super, super nice. Um, I do have a question. I know we're going to get into the episode nine stuff and celebration. Yeah. Um, but has it been 100% confirmed, Jake and Sean, that that is Palpatine's laugh at the end? Yeah. Yes. Ian McDermott went out on he stage. It. Um, yeah. He went out on stage to and do roll- on the, on the uh, not not the, not the roll it again, but he... Okay. Uh, uh, in the on the floor with the Star Wars Live, the Star Wars Star Wars right. show, show Star that they Wars did, and, and I mean it was very addressed. It was. Did you go him. back for the Phantom Menace stuff on Monday? I didn't. Not? I did. It was Monday, and I didn't have. It was like in between uh, my my shows, and I just didn't have time to to stop what I was doing and get back there. And, and you for don't anybody, like that movie? It's yeah. not a good movie. Hey, I, you know what? It's I, whenever I was ten years old, I absolutely loved it. And there are still moments in the film now that I think are great. I think the Qui Gon Jinn and the Obi Wan fight against Darth Maul is fantastic, especially sure. when you cut it against Duel of Fates. Um, I think there are great moments, and if Lucas is standing by the fact that he made it for children, then I think it's a great family film. Because remember, he's always said that Star Wars was not made for adults. Adults like it, but it's not made for adults. It was made for kids. And if that was his mission, then Phantom Menace lives up to that promise because I loved it whenever I was a kid. Sure. Oddly enough, I don't love Phantom Menace, but I would argue the Darth... Darth, Darth <laughs> I'm having an L problem today. The Darth Maul fight... <laughs> is probably one of my favorite moments in any Star Wars film. I don't know if Jake agrees, but that John Williams oh, yeah. score. that the, ha, 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 it's, just, it's amazing. And that fight... But that fight scene is... like when I, If I were to put together a list of my top 10 favorite Star Wars scenes, that would be my top 10. I don't know if that would be considered blasphemous because it's in The Phantom Menace, but... I mean, come on. I mean, even when Vader rose in Rise of the in Revenge of the Sith. Oh, dude, the, the fight against uh, Darth Maul is ten times better than Vader rising. But it's a great scene, Sith. though. I like when. when uh, Vader to me, rise. it's ruined by the no. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what about Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones? Oh, Phantom Menace Attack- by far. Attack of the Clones is crap. Attack of the Clones has no good scenes. Yeah, that's an. Awful, and in fact, the only good film. thing, once again, the only good thing about Attack of the Clones. Is uh, the 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 love score by John Williams, which I will say is absolutely beautiful. Which one? Uh, which one did they make Yoda fi- CGI in? Clones. Because yeah. he because oh, he, no, he also clones. Yeah. No, because he fights Duco. Duco. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that scene is awful. But he's <laughs> he, so he's bad. he's practical puppetry in in Phantom Menace though. Yeah, it looks bad. Why did they do that though? Like, it's so bad. Oh, I mean, it's funny to me because you. Yoda looks better in the original trilogy. Because it's weird, because they try to, like, they made him look different to imply that he's aged. But if you think about it, I mean, what, there's really only, what, 40 years between, I don't know the exact time, but 40 years Mm. between Phantom Menace and Empire Strikes Back. And if this guy's supposed to be 600, 700 years old, 
40 years wouldn't age him yeah, that right, much. Exactly. So they that's should have like just had him look ex- like was there <laughs> and that's the biggest issue with the prequels is that there was no one on set to tell Lucas no. Right. At some at some point to be fair he did try to give a, didn't he try to give the film away to several different directors and they all told him no you should be the one directing this. I don't know, maybe. That sounds about right. That was that was my that. understanding that he tried to give it to Spielberg and he tried to give it to uh, Ron Howard. Oh, I mean, Spielberg would have been great. But my argument against what you just said, Jacob, I, I hadn't heard the comment about Lucas making a movie for children. I mean, like, I, I find that to be a cop out in regards to your. That, when that's you make just a always film, what he you, said. I know, but you but you make a movie for all audiences. I mean, I, when you watch Toy Story, it's geared towards children, but adults still love that film because it's quality entertainment. I get that, but to be fair, if you and, and and you know they do this whenever we see a film at a junket, especially a children's film. And it, granted, not every film's not every kid's film is going to be Pixar. We know that for a fact. But when they pack it full of kids, yeah, and you don't like it, but you can hear the kids just in like just in stitches and uproarious laughter, doesn't that like in a way that like like that helps me give the film a little bit of a pass? But why can't we have the best of both worlds? Like force no, awakens. I, I agree with you, but you know that's one of those situations where I'm not going to knock a movie if <laughs> I know arguably its target audience is pleased. If we don't stop talking now, Gabe's not going to let us talk about Game of Thrones. So we have to stop talking now. You know. He's really upset. I, I'm starting to really question just how much power Gabe has here. Because here's I, I could <laughs> keep talking. Right. And, and he's not here. You guys you aren't in my home anymore. You don't to see be honest, the show notes. I need to talk less today because I am, I, I, for some reason, I'm like stuttering, slurring my words. And I'm just having a cup of coffee. I think I'm just tired. But you look so handsome, on. though. You look Thank so you. handsome right but now. But I feel like I'm stuttering a lot. And I'm adding L's to words. I said <laughs> Dalth Mall. I don't know what's going on with me. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, the reason why we were all together at Star Wars Celebration, uh, that that well, Star Wars Celebration is what brought us all to Chicago. But while we were there, we were lucky enough to uh, host a meet and greet with a whole bunch of real blenders uh, who came by. Uh, where were we? The Green Door Tavern in Chicago. Yep. And had an amazing time catching up with everybody. Such an incredible experience to just float around this room and dive into the types of movie conversations that we have on the podcast, but just with uh, people who have been interacting with us on social media, who have been uh, fans of the show for a while. We got to meet um, Crystal and Kyle and um, Kalina and Carrie came by and we just had um, a really great time with everyone who made it. So thank you to everyone who came. Um, we, what were you guys? What was your big takeaway from the night? I mean, who did you guys get to talk to the most? What kind of? I, I know it all sort of devolved into a Kill Bill uh, conversation that, that Kevin and I might have taken over. But in general, what, were your, what was your takeaway from the night? You know, it was funny. It, it was every you know because it was a couple of different tables, and was, at one point I almost equated it to a junket because I looked up and each of the four of us, Gabe included, obviously, we were with different groups. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was important that it didn't turn into just us four hanging out and then everyone else talk. Like we kind of, the four of us didn't really talk that much no. at the actual meetup, which is how I think it should have been. But it was every person that I spoke to at that meetup could be on this show. Oh yeah, every yeah, every single person. And you know, and, and whenever I would talk to different groups of people, it was honestly, and, and I mean this as a compliment. To, to you guys as well, it was like I was talking to you guys. There were, there was no difference between talking to you and talking to everyone else at that meetup. 
Very I true. agree. I agree. Yeah. But the, the only thing that bothered me about the meetup, and this was like kind of halfway through, was when Gabe started charging for autographs and pictures. I don't know it if you guys saw that in the corner, but yeah. I mean, like, I mean, like, you know, fans would come over and ask Jake and I and Sean for photos. We were like, no problem. But Gabe was like, uh, my time is very special, and he was charging, I believe, ten dollars for an autograph and two thousand for a picture, is that which right, is Gabe? excessive. It's excessive. Yeah. <laughs> I think most people, too, were really um, happy just to hear Gabe speak. Now, I know we do let him talk on last week's episode of the podcast, but, like, having full-on interactions with him uh, in person was was pretty special. And then, of course, at the end of the night, everybody who made it all the way to the end got to see Gabe wrap up the party. He actually yeah. wrapped yeah. us and told there us was, it's time to move on. There was a very heated moment with Sean and I. I mean, and, and it's great. Like, Sean and I got into our kill, our classic Kill Bill debate because Sean <laughs> still uh, refuses to uh, to understand that a filmmaker has even said his movie was one movie. Um, yes. But uh, we got into a whole debate, and at one point, Sean actually turned into Hellboy. <laughs> like, Sean was so red... <laughs> and so angry. I mean, it looked like a. It looked like that scene in Infinity War when Ruffalo was trying to become the Hulk, and it kept like popping out green. That's what it reminded me. The of. best part, because there was video of this moment. The best part of the video is when, for just the briefest of moments, it pans over, and you realize just off frame, I'm sitting right next to you, and could mm-hmm. not care no. less about this conversation, yeah. and I'm just desperately looking for an escape. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's and I feel like that that moment perfectly represents our friendship. So but often. And Lo- and Lauren was like right in the middle of it too and I think she yeah. even was floored by how elevated or uh the the conversation got. Well, so yeah, my, my uh, on a serious note, my wife Lauren uh came to Chicago with me cuz we we all went to the celebration panel which was incredible by the way. I mean, I, I definitely uh at some point or if I can just briefly say just sitting with Jake and Sean and my wife during the episode nine trailer and the mm-hmm. reveal of the title and you know in that room with JJ and Kathleen and Daisy and John Boyega and then <laughs> I mean yeah, I mean having Palpatine come out and actually say roll it again the trailer just rolled I mean it was unbelievable it was a cool moment but that next to the meetup uh, the next day which was just surreal because I was on the way there and I know we had RSVPs for a certain number of people to be there. But I, I mean, I, I'm always kind of pessimistic in the sense of I, I always underestimate what's actually going to happen because I don't want to be disappointed. And I think we, when we were in London together, we didn't think anyone was going to show up at that meetup and four people showed up in another country. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one, did we ever get a final count? Was it over 20 people showed up to this event? It was, 20, I mean, 22, 23, somewhere around there. I mean, it, we took over this whole section of the bar. It was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And like. The idea that that many people, people drove from different, I think one guy drove from Nebraska, I think he Mm. said. Um, There were people who flew in from different parts of the country, Texas, different areas of the country just to Jordy Snyder came all the way from Charlotte. Yeah, Yeah. came from Charlotte to hang out. Unbelievable. And listen, I understand Star Wars Celebration was there, but from what I understood, it was the meetup and the celebration that kind of mixed together that made this event as big as it was in the sense that people were there I, it's funny, I ran into Real Blend fans who didn't even know about the meetup who were there for Star Wars Celebration. I'll tell that story in a little bit. But um, there was some really cool fans that we met there. Arthur, Kyle, obviously Carrie, Kalina, uh, everyone. Uh, Crystal, by the way. Crystal yeah. was so nice. She brought chocolates. Yeah. Remember the, yeah but yeah. by and the way. handwritten thank you notes. Yeah. yeah. Crystal had a, I had a handwritten thank you note in a bag that was given to me by a Real Blend listener yes. uh, who was so sweet and so nice and she was wearing a Star Wars shirt so it was just a combination of 
people being there for the same reason, love of film and love of the podcast. Do you know what was, was really cool. funny about Crystal's note, though? She wrote how really it was really nice to meet us and thank you for coming. And I thought, mm. well, she wrote that before she actually met us. Like, what if I was a total jerk? That's true. Oh, it was scratched out on my card. Oh, was it? Thanks for coming. <laughs> Cause it, yeah, because it wasn't as... <laughs> It wasn't as nice <laughs> wasn't to meet as me. Nice so meet she, she got in there and scratched oh, it out. Oh, that's a lie. Uh, Gabe that's says we would like to lie. hear. Gabe really wants to hear feedback from people who did attend the Chicago meetup. So do me a favor and email him. Uh, you can get him at realblind at cinemablend.com. Share your thoughts on the experience and anything that you think that we can improve on because we really want to do more of these and we want to get better at them. So share, again, what you guys thought about the Chicago meetup and how we might be able to and where we should go next. We've been we've, we've been kicking around ideas of places that we could potentially go next and we've been hearing some suggestions from people. So uh, we'll we'll share some details we'll get with that. Um, as, as great as the meetup was, something happened to me afterwards that I just want to talk about really briefly, which will get us into our Game of Thrones discussion. Some of you guys know <clears throat> that I've been marathoning Every single episode of Game of Thrones. I was talking to Michelle this morning, and I realized that this past month is the the most work I've done, I think, in my entire life. Because I went to South by Southwest twice, uh, like there and back, there and back. I did CinemaCon in Las Vegas. I did Star Wars Celebration. And in between all those trips, I marathoned seven seasons of Game of Thrones. And sometimes during those trips. Yes, yes. Often during those trips. And so often doing that marathon i it was it was so draining and soul sucking because as much as i love that show it's just it's too much to ask anybody to binge all that although kevin you did it for fun also um but while we were walking down the street in chicago we were going to get dinner after the meetup and jake and i are on the sidewalk and legitimately some guy points out the window he's sitting in a restaurant he's got a booth by the window and he points at me and he's like you're awesome and I, I, Jake and I went into automatic defensive mode of just like, who is this which guy? Is, he's he's well, making fun which of Which is us. a real testament to our society that we were instantly like ready to fight <laughs> yeah, in yeah. that moment. Like, who's this guy? And I thought he was doing like a Goodwill hunting type thing. So I was going to put on my phone, like, how do you like them apples? And then hold it up to the window. Because I thought he was just being like an obnoxious little punk. Um, but then he spells out. He spells out G-O-T and he says like Game of Thrones. And I was like, are you kidding? Like, it blew my mind that while we're walking down... Uh, the sidewalk in Chicago that someone who's sitting at the booth recognizes me from the from the marathon, which was incredible because then we all got back um, on Sunday to try to watch it. But, but Chicago stranded most of us and you guys ended up having a, a watch party uh, in Jake's apartment. And Sean so badly was was wanted to get rid of us. That he drove to St. Louis <laughs> and got stuck. Yes, in I Saint, did. rather than hang out and watch it with us. So what did I miss? How well, was the, it? Uh, the, oh, it was ir- the, the irony of that situation blows my mind. Um, that we were stuck in Chicago due to a winter storm in April uh, on the night that Game of Thrones was premiering. Yes. And my wife and I sat on the tarmac for four hours after we uh, we left the gate. The plane got de-iced. We ran out of fuels. We were sitting there for so long. <laughs> there was and then no we gate got, for you to come back to. There was no gate for us to come back to. And also, guys, point, just a heads up: like that wasn't normal. What happened? Like that was a historic Chicago winter storm. You guys experienced. No, it was either sponsored by Star Wars and trying to replicate Hoth, or it was sponsored by HBO and I was trying to. Uh, yeah, Chicago Westeros. looked like Westeros. It was unbelievable. And, and, and what's crazy? I had an eleven o'clock flight. The six, seven, eight, nine, ten, I believe, all took off. So I was apparently the 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 worst luck getting on that eleven o'clock flight. And I had to be at work the next morning. Thankfully, Jake let me use his studios on Monday for my live segments. But yeah, and so then Gabe was at the airport as well. Gabe's flight 
uh, didn't ever leave the gate. He sat there for like three hours. They lost his bag. Uh, and then we all eventually made it back to Jake's apartment without Sean because Sean decided to drive to St. Louis and he still missed his flight. Still which missed is hilarious. My flight. I know. Um, and uh, and so yeah, so Gabe, myself, my wife Lauren, and Jake and Daenerys all watched the episode of Game of Thrones, which I know we're going to transition into. I thought it was fine. I thought the episode was fine. It yeah. wasn't. It didn't blow my mind. I mean, again, coming off the heels of the last two episodes of season seven. I mean, those episodes were amazing. I mean, like, we're talking... What was the episode? But if I that- remember right, wasn't the first episode of season seven all... I mean, like, usually the first episode has always been more of a scene setter. Here's where everyone is. I just kind of thought with only six left, we would have gotten into it a little bit more than we Agreed. did. That's and for exactly me, the big... Yeah, the big black eye was just the really silly tone of John's first flight on a dragon. I mean, we're, that, we're, we're six episodes from, from the end of this. Now I don't really want like that yeah. scene four seasons ago. Sure. Okay. Whatever. But that but that I, but, scene felt like it from a romantic comedy. Yeah, like it felt like, like we were, it felt like game of Thrones literally dropped off into a romantic comedy. And then the, the dragon is smirking. See, I, didn't, I didn't take it out. We, we interpreted Look that scene face. differently. He's smiling. Well, well, one, like that's just the natural. I, I interpreted it as like a mean dog because like like looking to. That's what it was. But it was like, but he. But, 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 I, didn't, he but like, I didn't take it as a smirk. I didn't, I didn't take though. it as like, I, I didn't see. I didn't take it as a cute dragon in that moment. Sean, see, how I, did you interpret that moment? I, well, I really, I really liked the dragon flying scene. I, I admit that it might not be. I don't want to judge it in the, we don't have a lot of time for this. <laughs> I just enjoyed it. Like, I thought it was cool to see John but, on the back of a but dragon. But I did. I, I, but I've been waiting for that moment as well. I just wanted it to be more epic and be taken more seriously. And, yeah. and, and, and not talking about spoilers specifically, we'll kind of vaguely, like, kind of, like, leap over this. But, you know, one of the biggest parts of the episode was uh, a possible reveal of Jon Snow and kind of what his lineage is. And that scene in particular, the reveal, the character who reveals it to him, that was a great scene. That was that was a great Game of Thrones sequence. And the ending was great, too, I thought. I mean, yeah. listen, I mean, I think, but coming off of season seven, Jake, I don't, don't, uh, don't uh, or correct me if I'm wrong, I think the first episode of season seven, doesn't it open with Arya as Walter Frey? Yeah, it was yeah. a cold open. Yeah, mm-hmm. why, why am I calling Walter? Yeah, uh, why am I calling Walter Frey? Is his first name Walter? It's, Walter. Uh, it's Walter yeah, White. It, Walter, Walter, White. <laughs> Walter White. I am having the worst name day <laughs> of all time. I don't know what's going on here. Anyway, so she, she starts the episode as Frey and then essentially kills everyone in the room. That was an awesome opening to season seven. Yes. Uh, this was just a little bit... I mean, to be fair, the opening of this was new credits, which none of us were expecting. That was the beautiful. new credits were great. Yeah, the new credits were great, but also the Unsullied and the Dothraki in the North is pretty significant. Like, I, I think I think the next few episodes are setting up to be pretty tremendous. So we'll we'll mix in a little bit of Game of Thrones commentary as we go through this because I think a lot of people who are listening to us, especially based on the meetup, you know, we talked to a lot of people about. Game of Thrones, which fed into conversations about Lord of the Rings, and I think it's just our audience is pretty tuned into what's happening in the eighth season and of it's Game of Thrones. Walder Frey, Walder yeah, Frey. D. So yes. I wasn't. Uh, I'm having a bad. Someone Walter take my White. nerd card. Um, so let's talk briefly about what we learned at Star Wars Celebration, um, and I want to start with Jake because he's the biggest Star Wars fan on this show. Uh, Jakey, thoughts on the rise of Skywalker as both a title and then the footage shown. Uh, I think the title is fantastic because just like after Last Jedi, we instant we instantly jumped into the wait, what does it mean? Yeah. Uh, Force Awakens, we kind of all 
had a feeling as to, especially, you know, introducing these new characters, and we assumed that one of them uh, would, at the time we thought it was Finn, I believe, because there was a shot of him with a lightsaber in the original mm. trailer. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I instantly we jumped into, what, what is a Skywalker, are we referring to a name? or And if it is, who are we referring to? Is, is Luke coming back? Or is, is Rey really a Skywalker? I'm, the more and more I, I think about it, I'm leaning into the popular theory that Skywalker is more of a term. Mm. That it's going to replace the term Jedi and feature more of like a gray area between, you know, because the Jedi, you know, it was always, it was always absolute, you know, Seth, Sith were 100% bad, Jedi were 100% good. And in, in real life, no one is usually one or the other. Usually people exist somewhere in that gray area. And I think this could be a new uh, force position that exists, that, that, that represents that gray area. And I think it could be referred to as a Skywalker. So I think in actuality, we're going to look back and say, Luke was in fact the last Jedi mm-hmm. and Rey is in fact the first Skywalker. That, I I, I, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping we get, I'm hoping that J.J. Abrams retcons that entire name uh, element of her family. I, and I, I remember watching Last Jedi and hearing that scene when when he when she learns that her parents were nobody. And I remember thinking to myself, that's got to be misdirect. I mean, they could easily fix that. That could easily be uh, a character. You know, that was you know to me. I think that that can be fixed in an easy way without making it obvious. But I think you guys uh, might have missed the best part of the. Uh, episode nine show. Did you guys stay for the end, end when everything was over? No, I don't know. Uh, what oh, did we miss? We learned a lot about uh, Daisy Ridley's <laughs> favorite movie of all time. Did you guys hear about this one? No. What is it? Oh yeah, she got on stage and did a whole thing. It's called Daisy Stupid Love. I was really really excited about. Oh, that, that is that a rendition. great movie. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. really good. Yes. Yeah, it was, really, it was really well done. So thank you, Daisy Ridley, for doing that. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, I seri- encourage you. I actually encourage you by <laughs> asking all, the question. It, I feel like Mark. Camel in uh, the Last Jedi. I'm going to participate in this, but I don't like it. Oh, come on! <laughs> um, but now, wait a second. They don't have to retcon the fact that she's nobody because they're kind I of like building that. toward everybody can be or or anybody can be a quote unquote Skywalker. But right? her, that was the point of the that was the point of the last shot of Last Jedi was the kid that so. pulled the broom. But her family has got. Jake, See, I don't saying, want. No, I don't want her family to be. Any, I like. I, that was one of the few things out of Last Jedi I actually liked. I like that her family was nobody. I, I like the idea of, especially as we're moving forward in the Star Wars world and we're leaving the Skywalker story behind, I think they need to lean into this idea of there are other cool stories to tell that don't involve people named Skywalker. So I think they're going to retcon that. I think I don't her think family so. is important. I really do. I don't know why, but J.J. set it up for a reason in Force Awakens, and then it was essentially debunked in Last Jedi by Ryan Johnson, and now I think J.J. is going to try and rewind it, in my personal opinion. If he but, tries, I'll be curious to see but, how, if and how he succeeds. On a serious note, though, my, the trailer was incredible. We were all sitting there. This shot that blew my mind, I think we were all discussing this, was the the racing shot, the shot that literally speeds up, uh, and we're assuming that Kylo, that's that's Kylo, right? Yeah, we're, yeah, we're yeah. Not, we're not we're not hundred percent certain, but we see People, his hands. Fans have said those are his gloves. You know, yeah. I, I wonder so. if they don't show his face because is there any way that he like tried to put Darth Vader's mask back together and we don't see his face in that shot because he's wearing Darth Vader's mask? Oh, that would be insane. That would be so cool. Like or like he's wearing like yeah. a really weird mangled version of the mask. Well, he's like welding yeah. it back together. He's welding his Kylo hands, Ren, right? We have the yeah. hands and the gloves. That's yeah. all we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but 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 that shot when Daisy leaps backwards is just incredible. I, yeah. I love the cinematography in that scene. I I I just love the way the camera speeds up. 
and then the, and, you know, obviously comes into frame. It was a really well done opening. Also, and maybe I'm reading into this too much, but the Force Awakens trailer opened up in a very similar but almost reversed way where we had a landscape, right? And by the way, so we don't know if it's Jakku or Tatooine where Daisy is, right? We're not 100% certain on that yet, right? Oh, uh, I wouldn't that, be surprised that, if it's someplace totally different. It, but it could be one of those two. It looks like it. Could be. There it? are a billion planets in the, no, in the, in the galaxy, yeah, and 98% of them have sand. Don't okay, be those all two. right, all right. But either way, um, so at the beginning of the Force Awakens trailer, do you guys remember there was no one, no one yeah. in the frame, and then the John Wega pops up, and like he's out of breath. This trailer, in my opinion, starts very similar in the sense of, like, but we see Daisy on screen as Rey, and then the camera pans down to the saber, which, by the way, uh, we was, has been destroyed in the previous film. But so we're assuming this is much, not much later, but definitely time has passed. Oh, time has passed. They confirmed that at the panel. We they are assuming. Sure. But that is definitely Luke's lightsaber. Yes. That, okay, so, and they said so, that at the right. panel as well. Right. They said so, that the so that's I also, watching it with the boys when I got back from Chicago, what struck me about the beginning of this um, is Daisy rapid breathing, rapid breathing, and then she slows her breathing, and it right. brought me to the clip of Last Jedi where Luke is telling her to breathe. Right. And he's you know essentially going through her training, and then the first thing is um, we've handed down all of our knowledge to you guys basically. Right. So I still think JJ's pulling a lot of stuff from Last Jedi. I What's don't think John he's gonna... Boyega doing in the opening of that Force Awakens trailer? Breathing, breathing really also. heavily. Yeah. yeah. So I, I thought I, it was a really strange choice of song that he put over when she's running from that. Uh, that 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 uh, a Tie Fighter. Did you guys hear it? I don't know if you heard the alternate it's, clip, but he, they used Offspring. Think, the Offspring, uh, the song from the Offspring, P- Pretty Skywalker for a white guy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was strange. Yeah, that was good. It's yeah, an odd choice. It was a good, JJ knows what the audience wants, and they want an Offspring song in that they moment. Do. I mean, especially if her don't force be, it, don't force it. But right, but if her character is someone famous. That's yeah. why Offspring then plays into that. It's a very interesting. 100%. You know it's what like I mean? a subtle jab at like her yeah. lineage. I feel like Lando and the Empire Strikes Back. This you know, deal's Sean, being worse all the time. We're diving into like Jordan Peele <laughs> territory here now. He's like throwing Easter eggs with he the really Offspring is. song. You're, in, that's in the song choice. Brilliantly executed. By the way, I, I, I do want to go on the trailer itself. Um, you know, it is an amazing trailer from a teasing standpoint. The only reason I'm excited about episode nine now is because of J.J. Abrams. Um, and I think a lot of, and we discussed this before in the show, I won't go into detail, but Last Jedi and Jake and I agree on this, didn't leave me wanting, uh, didn't leave me having a lot of burning questions for the next film. And with the Carrie Fisher storyline, I believe episode nine was supposed to be mainly her film from what I understand. Uh, and with her passing, and I, I do want to say this, and I, I'm not sure if this is confirmed or not, and I know maybe you guys can, can answer this question. At the panel, JJ said that we know this, we already knew this, but JJ is using footage that was shot of Carrie Fisher from episode seven and episode eight that was unused. My question is, will any of her be CGI or are they only going to use actual shots of Carrie Fisher? Do we know that answer? Don't know for sure. No, okay. I don't think they know for sure. That. In fact, if you watch yeah. that trailer, I think there's a shot of her hugging Daisy Ridley. That's not And then not there's her. a shot of Daisy hugging her. Hugging yeah, someone I, else. Yeah, I think that's someone else. I agree with you. And I, I think and they'll I, use cheats like that. And I do. I, I also wonder if, and I think, uh, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm reading into this, but the way JJ explained the Carrie Fisher thing at the panel, it sounds like they went to these scenes and then worked a script around what she had record, what she had shot. So, Some of I, it. so mean, meaning did has how much did episode nine change now 
with her passing? And is it being written in a way to make sure that her scenes fit in? Like, I, I find that interesting to me. I would love to know what the difference would have been had they, you know, had she still been here to shoot this movie. Well, um, but it's I think a lot of things changed because A, this was supposed to be Colin Trevorrow's movie. Right. And B, I bet you they're reacting to uh, reaction to Last Jedi and maybe changing a few things that they might have tried to do. Question, um, question so for each know. of you. We don't know for when, sure. When the laugh hit, did you 100% know it was Palpatine? Yes. Yeah. Was it 100%. so? Like, like there was no question in your mind that it was somebody else. Mm-mm. No. Interesting. I knew that all the way. And the funniest meme I saw from that was when someone put Seth Rogen's laugh. Yeah. Wait. That's really good, man. <laughs> I distinctly remember us looking at each other, wondering if that was him. I, no, I, no. I, I, I in fact, I actually remember the opposite. I remember Sean and I both going, "It's Palpatine," and you going. Is that Palpatine? Is that Palpatine? Yeah, yeah but I was confused. Well, first of all, there was it's not a definitive thing at that moment. We didn't know for sure. But I mean, I, I mean, first of all, I mean, that's a very iconic. I mean, there, I, that's a I pretty agree. iconic laugh for Star Wars fans. That's. But did I mean, you 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 had no idea he was coming back though? No, no, not now, prior to that. Except for that person who tweeted in 2012. Uh, there were always rumors. There were there were always like, oh, what other big villain from Star Wars could they potentially bring back? And there's not a lot. It's not a not a ton of them. So, but I don't understand. Like he's dead. That's why I'm confused by it. They're all dead. They're all, and, I, and it really does fly in the face of somebody tweeted this where they were like, Last Jedi was like, the past must die. You know, leave it all Kill behind it you. you. To. And then episode nine, JJ's like, hey, remember Palpatine? <laughs> He's back. <laughs> he was cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say this. And, and, and Jake is a much bigger Star Wars fan than I am. Um, he's seen the films much more than I have. Um, but I... It's funny because that was the first, that was the name that crossed my mind, and then I was also debating could it be someone else. I'm also hoping that JJ brings back Snoke somehow. Mm. I, I really want that storyline to be because if nobody's dead, if Palpatine's not dead, right, and he's back somehow, that means Snoke can come back, and that means I mean theoretically Vader could come back. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, the, the, yeah, but I mean, I, I make I make the argument though that like technically speaking, and now we're getting real technical. We saw Vader and Snoke die. We actually never actually die. saw Palpatine die. That's a good question. That's a good point. So, so we're led to believe. And also, that- keep in mind, what are they looking at in the distance? Whenever they're up on that cliff, they're looking at the oh, Death Star. Oh yeah. yeah. And did you and guys there's... see that whole thing um, with the uh, uh, the art of Episode Seven? Mm-mm. No. So there's that that book that you know every usually they Star Wars movies put out those nice hardback kind of coffee table the art of Solo yeah. the art of you know whatever. In the art of episode seven, there are a couple of pages of a plot line that I guess they discarded that shows someone, I think it might be Ray, going uh, traveling underwater, going into the Death Star. Oh, oh. To, to, get and, his, and to get his body? I don't, I don't know what it says, to, but it shows his chair. It's like oh. illustrations. It's illustrations. So these might be some things that J.J. thought about for seven, discarded, and then brought back. Well, and if you remember, like when we meet her at the very beginning of Force Awakens, she's the scavenger who's going right. around those big fallen ships. Right. So she has I, I think that was a that. I think that was maybe like a thought for like an alternative to that. I don't know. I saw someone post pictures. I have not flipped through the book myself, so I don't know the context of it. But these are things that they thought about in the production of Seven. But That's cool. Based on what Jake is saying, do, does that mean that we may see Rey go to the dark side? I don't know. I'd be surprised at this I point. Mean, I, I mean, that would be an interesting... Turn, in my opinion, uh, for that character. Yeah, I, I and it's it's funny because, I say that that doesn't feel earned. Um, I mean, here's the thing. I will say this: in that Last Jedi, 
that fight scene obviously is epic. I mean, that's one of the best scenes in in the in in that entire film. Obviously, it's, it's Snoke's death scene. But you know, I I kind of want more of the Kylo and Rey story, and I, yeah. and I don't know whether or not it is is Kylo. See, the beauty of Driver is that he plays that character brilliantly. Like mm-hmm. there is a there's a push pull to him every time you watch him in the Star Wars film that you wonder if he might just kind of become good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and that was kind of the the beauty. I mean, obviously him killing Han Solo, to me that's one of the most emotional scenes I've ever seen in a Star Wars film. That mm-hmm. scene haunts me. Like Chewie's reaction, that scene is so haunting. Yep. Uh, and also, you got to give credit to JJ and Disney for allowing that to happen. Mm-hmm. That's a really dark run like that scene is horrifying yep. um and the way he does it law oh, like like the having him come closer but i part of me is wondering if driver is going to end up good and ray goes bad i just don't know what that arc would be like what would raise but if jake if you're saying that she was searching in those in those notes for palpatine's uh chair i don't, I don't know if she was searching for palpatine's chair I, my impression was that it was like that scavenger scene from from the opening of a Force so, Awakens. So she didn't know what she was looking for. That's what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, I mean, I, okay, I don't know. I, I just I just saw saying. the pictures. I just saw the pictures. But I don't, so, I don't think she was down there looking for. I think I think she was like a, like a scavenger, like she was at the beginning of Force Awakens. One thing I'll say about this this trailer and, and this panel, which made me excited. The one thing I did not like about Episode Eight was how everyone was separated. I mean that whole that whole storyline with uh, Boyega and Rose that I just did not like, care for that. It sounds like this movie they're really on a mission together, like the Guardians of the Galaxy is what it seemed yeah. like to me. That'd very, be great. Very classic. I like, want to see that team together pulling yep. off a mission, and to me that's what I want. I mean, now I do think if Kylo joins them in a way where they have to join forces to work beat, together, to, to, you know what I mean? Like yeah. same thing. You know, it's a very cliche type of storytelling, but. I would love to see Kylo fighting side by side with like Boyega and and Ray. I, you don't think it'll happen? No. No. I, I, unfortunately, no. I think it, it may very well happen. I just I you don't like that. I, I, I like don't. That. I don't. I don't want Ben to be redeemed. I think there needs to be consequences for being a bad guy, and and that's the that every single that's my knock right now. A lot now. of really like, bad there, things there's, too. There's, there's well, a lot argue... of there's so much redemption in Star Wars, and I think at some point someone's gotta someone's gotta be bad and stay bad. Is it is it bad that I went during Vader's death? Like I kind of felt for him. No, that, you're supposed to. to. They want so, you to. But, but, but technically, then he was redeemed. They humanized as an audience. Know, like, that's, that's, and Jake's saying yeah. that that happens all the time. So yeah, so like, that, that's my to. thing. Like, we already, we already got that, like, the Sith redemption. Like, like yeah. you know, he... But Vader's yeah. uh, redemption was earned. That was, yeah, of course. That was over six movies. That scene One quick incredible. thing, uh, I will say that, that and Cinema Blend was kind enough to, to use my interview from this. Uh, Daisy Ridley told me something. I got to interview the cast after the trailer, the panel. Daisy Ridley told me that J.J. Uh, Abrams told her that they added something to the ending that wasn't mm-hmm. in the script, which I thought was... Because I asked her what her experience... Like, how did she first find out about the ending? And she said, you know, J.J. sat down and told her, and then they filmed it, and then they, you know, she, she read the script and everything, but then apparently they added an extra beat. Sweet. So and that I makes actually, me really wonder what it is. I actually found out what that beat was. So oh, oh what is it? So so I went back to the carpet, Jake, and I... <laughs> Why do you encourage So basically... <laughs> it's it's basically how Ray got her name, oh. uh, and she walks into a Ray's Pizza in New York City, and that's when she's given the name. So she walks in right there. It's an amazing sequence. Right. That's going to happen. So Jake, that's there's your answer. By the way, and, and joking aside, uh, I do go to YouTube, watch Jake's interviews. He got everybody. Uh, it's great. Very very cool emotional stuff uh, with uh, Anthony Daniels. Is Anthony Daniels still? 
the only actor to be in every Star Wars movie? Yeah, because he was in Solo. So he's the only actor that's ever appeared in every Star Wars live action film. He was yeah. in Solo? Yeah, yeah, he wasn't C-3PO, but he was he was uh, in Solo. Oh, you're right. That's right. He was in Solo. I remember, you, someone. I think you pointed that out to me, Jake, when we were watching it or something. But By the way, I, Gabe is really trying to move us on, but I have to point out that when they were doing trivia in the room at oh. Celebration, <laughs> almost every question that they asked Why? was from Solo. And because it, it, it matters. But it became so prevalent that it was like a joke that like, and no one knew the answers to them. Because no, no one saw Solo. We're able to answer any of the Solo questions and it became embarrassing after a while. It's like Lucasfilm was really trying to force that movie on people to say like, it's a thing. Right. One, <laughs> it's a one, thing. More, one more theory and then we'll move on. Yes, last one. Rise of Skywalker. Why couldn't that mean... Something along the lines of Ben Solo. Yeah, if because it's a person, it's he's, probably Ben Solo. Because he's still connected to Skywalker. Yes. So that is an interesting thing. What if the entire I, arc of Nine is the see, redemption? I don't like that because that implies that the Skywalker part of him is more important than the Solo part of him. Interesting. Yeah. And his well, name is Ben Solo. No, I know, but he's still Skywalker. So, but like yeah, that's, Skywalker. I mean, I, I have my mom's maiden name, but if you were going to, like if I were going to rise, you wouldn't use my mom's maiden name to, to, to <laughs> say me rising. Solo rise. Uh, let's switch from one massive blockbuster franchise to the other massive blockbuster franchise in that we are five days away from seeing Avengers Endgame. Uh, the challenge for the next few days, guys, is avoiding spoilers as they have reached their way online. Um, I am actually on vacation the next few days. I went through and muted as many words as I can on social media. I'm actually, I'm physically trying not to open social media at all on my phone or laptop because I just don't want to fall into um, a pit of spoilers. Apparently someone on Reddit, someone who did this for Infinity War before it came out, mapped out the entire story. Is and it got the it. Insider? I don't, I have no clue. I have no it, clue where they got it from. That per- but they, that, they got pure evil. They got it all right. Do that. And so they just did it for Endgame, apparently, too. So it's out there. This prompted the Russes. Whether the Russes were going to release that letter or not, they did it for Infinity War also, but it's a very it's a hand, you know, a formally drawn letter that says, you know, all these people worked so hard for all these years on these movies. There's a fan base that loves these movies more than anything. Uh, please let them experience it the way that we intend, which is in a theater. Even after you've seen the movie yourself, don't come out and talk about it. Let people experience it. Uh, it's going to be so hard this week, guys, just staying away from not spoilers even, but just like keeping expectations in check and, and waiting until we actually see them. I'm more ramped up for this movie than I have been for just about anything that I can think of. I can't think are of anything you, to compare you, to. Are you more excited for Endgame than you were for Force Awakens? Oh, yeah. Yes. Really? Yes. But see, Force Awakens was a different excitement. Force Awakens was a nostalgic exci- excitement. Like having Han and Luke and all of them back in a film, Force Awakens was a gigantic nostalgia fest. I mean, it essentially was a remake of A New Hope, which I actually don't mind. I, th- I thought I thought uh, Force Awakens was amazing. But uh, I think it's different, Jake, because I feel like MCU's been around for 10 years. It's not really our childhood. Star right. Wars was our childhood. So I think The Force Awakens was almost like a personal um, thing. And the MCU yeah. is kind of like... But it's interesting. It, it, it's almost like, yeah, I do feel that they're on a very similar level of excitement for me. Yeah. But one was more nostalgic and one was more just pure anticipation. And also, too, I think a big part of the reason why I would give the edge to Force Awakens is because Force Awakens is something that I never in my wildest dreams ever yeah. thought was going to happen. Yeah. I mean, there's a huge chunk of our lives where... 
you know, we never thought, I mean, there, even even growing up, we thought that the original three, like that was it, the original three. That was all yeah. we were ever yeah, going to yeah, get. Yeah. And then I, when we got the other prequels, we thought, oh, that's it. It's just those six, and that's all we're ever going to get. So the fact that, like, the seven, this this mythical seven, which we always talked as a hypothetical, was existing. Right. I mean, we all, we all knew that Endgame was coming. It's, it, yeah, it, but it the was reason, like a surprise. The reason why I'm more excited for Endgame is because Infinity War was as good as it was. Yeah. And, and, and if, if Infinity yeah. War was, like, not disappointing, but if it was just, like, another Marvel movie, then I would sort of view Endgame as just another Marvel movie. I got and, really emotional watching that, that new trailer they just released. Um, it's because, killer. But just killer. seeing all... Was, Endgame is 22, right? The t- yeah. 22nd film? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Seeing all 21... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Sean, but seeing no, all okay. 21 of those movies mapped out. Did you guys notice how they handled The Incredible Hulk? No, they didn't, well, they, they didn't. They didn't put Norton. They just put the Hulk character. Oh, they like, put the Hulk. It was yeah. actually pretty clever yeah. how they pulled That's that funny. off. But uh, I, um, I thought that was amazing. I, I thought, what a trip down memory lane. I, I'm, I'm rewatching some. I'm picking and choosing which ones I'm rewatching. I watched Avengers one um, the other day, and then I'm watching. Uh, I watched Age of Ultron last night, which I forgot. I texted you guys. Is I didn't realize that Tony Stark says. That's mm-hmm. the end game mm-hmm. uh, when he points up to space, like it was referring back to the to the New York attack. And uh, in well, the, Feige in, says that in his mind, he envisioned the title be end game that far back. Wow. So he wow. says so he says, but I don't know how. But, but, then, but he says that. But then originally when he he had that big presentation at the Capitan. Right. Where they officially announced that these two films were Infinity War Part One and Infinity War Part Two. So right. how did he both know it was going to be an going to be in game and then announced it was going to be infinity war part two i don't know and things change full of crap feige captain marvel was not announced as part of that slate and it got added things change obviously they got spider-man so homecoming was added um i just also and and I'll, i'll make this comparison to game of thrones additionally um marvel has been the party line for endgame has been this will be the culmination of the previous 21 films like this is going to be the end chapter of this phase of marvel movies they're promising a big delivery and what i always say with game of thrones what i always say in the month since i've watched it uh, is that when you use a catchphrase winter is coming winter is coming like when you deliver whatever winter means it better be something massive and when it's the night king and his his dead army like that delivered i was like okay game of thrones you earned it you know you set this is going to be, winter's coming, it's going to be massive, and then it turns out to be something that everybody in the show has to react to. So when Marvel says, this is going to be it, this is the, this is concluding our entire story, I have huge expectations for what they're going to do. And I don't think the Russos or Feige would be as vocal if they weren't confident in how they're going to stick the landing. Hey, Sean, you mentioned the Night King. I was reading yeah. an interview. The Night King actually has been doing press for uh, Game of Thrones. I don't know if oh, you guys nice, saw cool. this. Oh, nice, cool. Oh, we didn't get any time with him. I, I know. I would have loved some questions. Get him on the podcast? Yeah, I, well, I'm trying to, but did you read about his favorite? <laughs> he can take um, my spot. You guys read about his favorite, his favorite <laughs> Sofia Coppola movie? You guys heard about this yet? Uh, no, I did no. not. No, no. No, really? Oh, no. okay. Uh, oh, uh, The Night Bling Ring. It was a really uh, big movie for him. Uh, he he was a huge fan of <laughs> Sofia Coppola, and he was, you know, all that time we don't see him on screen, he's just a big movie fan. So he just that's, goes and watches Sofia Coppola films, and yeah, I was really happy incredible. about that. I like that. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, this week in movies, we have oh, three... I'm not I'm sure an if Emmy you guys winning seen... journalist. Wait, I gotta, I gotta <laughs> tell my uh, Kathleen Kennedy story. Oh gosh, yes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yes, before we get too far away from Chicago and celebration, I'll keep this very brief. Um, the only reason I'm bringing this up is because Caleb, uh, listener of Real Blend, 
Thank you for saying hi. So here's what happened. I'll keep it quick. Jake did a live shot at an AT&T store in Chicago earlier in the week uh, where they have a throne, right, Jake? So they it's to explain what they did there. There is a flagship. So there are three flagship AT&T stores around the country in Boston, San Francisco, and Chicago, and they have a partnership with HBO in which I guess you can easily watch HBO shows on, on AT&T products. And to celebrate that, they have three different iron thrones in those uh, – three flagship stores that you can take a picture of. And the whole store, it, like it's not just the throne, the entire store is taken over uh, to look like Westeros. And they have props and costumes and helmets and swords. And, uh, it's, awesome. and it's very cool. It's, it's almost it's like, really cool. like a Game of Thrones museum first and an AT&T store a distant second. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, they and they totally got me. I, I'm, I'm such a sucker for like, products like I, I walked in and like I bought like a shirt I bought a jacket I bought uh, a bunch Did of games oh stuff. yeah I got a ton of stuff um so I'm in there and oddly enough this timed out in a way where the reason why this story happened was because we were waiting we were paying for my products like I went over to an area and they had to go get me a large jacket because there was no large jackets on the floor so all this played into my timings I was getting ready to walk out the door uh, right after this was over so I'm I'm literally going back over to the throne to get a quick video and this gentleman says hey are you Kevin from Real Blend his name was Caleb awesome guy shout and, out to uh, Caleb yeah, and I was like, I was like, hey, I was like, yeah, nice to meet you, man. Are you, are you here for the meetup? And he said, no, I'm here for celebration. I'm like, oh, great. I was like, dude, we got to do a, a selfie video, uh, and I'll send it to Sean and Jake and Gabe and the guys. And so we, I pop my phone out. I'm in the middle of recording the video. I say, hey, you know, I'm with Caleb here. Are you coming to the meetup? He goes, no, I'm, I'm here for celebration. And then all of a sudden, this person walks up behind Caleb and says something along, along the lines of, I'm also here for Star Wars Celebration. <laughs> Uh, something to that to that to that tune and it was Kathleen Kennedy and you know keep in mind we had just seen Kathleen Kennedy on that stage yesterday the day before uh, that this happened and you know she's legend one of the most famous producers in the history of cinema We're you talking, listed her titles in your tweet and it was just it's mind blowing dude she's like producing. back to the future trilogy uh, Star yeah, Wars yeah. episode 789 uh, Indiana Jones yeah oh uh, uh, I think she only did Temple of Doom and Last Crusade but I could be wrong oh um, only just those two I know meaning I don't think she did Raiders but I don't yeah, know yeah. for sure um, but uh, Schindler's List uh, you know a, a amazing amazing film she's been involved in uh, and so it took me a second, actually, because I thought I, it was so mind blowing that Kathleen Kennedy would even do that. That I was like, "Oh my God, it's Kathleen Kennedy!" I, I went into full on unprofessional geek out mode. Like, it was like <laughs> I was like, "Oh my God, we saw the trailer yesterday. It was amazing." I mean, you have to understand when, when we're in the, when we're in these junket settings, we're prepared to walk into a room to see Tom Cruise, Robert Downey Jr. We're, we're mentally ready for it. When, you're, when that happens, you're not ready. There's no being ready for that. I mean, especially when it's Kathleen Kennedy, who you just saw on stage uh, and has been a massive part of these this brand new trilogy with Star Wars. So uh, she was there. So we, we start talking. I ask her about the trailer. We're talking about the, the shot with the camera speeding up when we think Kylo's coming in for that moment when Daisy uh, flies backwards. But, you know, talking about that, we're geeking out. And I was like, can we get a photo on the throne together? And there's a, there's a Game of Thrones throne right there, a realistic Game of Thrones throne. Um, and I wanted her to sit in the throne, but she didn't want to. She wanted to sit, sit next to us. And my wife and I, Lauren, sat on the throne while she stood next to us. And then I asked her why she was there. And she goes, because, you know, the, the two gentlemen who created Game of Thrones are doing a Star Wars trilogy. I think it's DB and David, right? I think their names. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, and they, she just wanted to send a photo to them to say, hey, I'm, I'm a fan of Game of Thrones, essentially. And so she sat on the throne. I, had, I got video of her taking a photo on the throne. So cool. And, and then when she stood up, 
I asked her how long she had the title, and you know, it was funny because like I was thinking back to the panel. If you guys remember the panel. They could not answer any questions that Stephen Colbert had. So I asked her the question, and I was like, and I got kind of that like, like that that very safe response of we were working it on for a long time. Wait till you see the movie. I was like, I can't wait to see what Skywalker means. And she goes, Oh, you're gonna be blown away or whatever she said. Um, so I was, yeah, it was a cool moment. Very Go to Kevin's Twitter crazy. feed and see the photos from it because but they're it, great. Either yeah. your Twitter or your Instagram, they're both they're on there. They're fantastic. Unreal. But yeah. this stuff only happens to Kevin. Yes. Like Jake and I were laughing about this. That they're the most innocent interactions, but but they happen to Kevin all the time. Like he's no. the guy who's at the the uh, Lady Gaga concert that Bradley Cooper happens to show up at and sing "Shallow." Like that's just it's Kevin's deal. I I I've like replayed the Kathleen Kennedy moment in my mind ever since I've. I feel like I probably was geeking out too much like, uh, it was it was a like, little I'd love to go to a basketball game with Kevin because it would be the one where Jordan walks out like I've decided I want to play again yeah, right <laughs> but I mean uh, like, like oh, all the things was... I want to see I should just bring Kevin because then it'll happen but like I mean Kathleen Kennedy walking up behind a real blend listener and saying I'm also here for Star Wars celebration was like probably the craziest thing I could ever imagine happening on that day it was unreal <laughs> it was like it blew my mind and I, I, I genuinely freaked out and it, right. it was crazy so Kathleen if you're listening I'm sorry for geeking and out come on the show please <laughs> yeah. we have a couple of questions for you alright this week in movies did anybody see Breakthrough I Is saw Breakthrough from... how was Breakthrough Jake not good no <laughs> here's what okay. I'll say I mean, there's, it's a faith-based film. Uh, there is a target audience for that movie. Um, I, I, but, but so, so, so take away the fact that it is a faith-based film. It's not very well acted. It's not very well shot. It's not very well written. It's not very well constructed or put together. Um, I think, I think some of the messages in the film are not. I don't know. Uh, from a film, from a cinematic standpoint, I don't think it's great. Mm. Okay, that's fine. How about Penguins? Anyone seen Penguins? I didn't. Under like the Penguins. Silver Lake. No, I didn't see that. I really want to see Under the Silver Lake because the director did um, It Follows. And this is his... Oh, nice. I like It Follows. It Follows. Uh, Curse of La Llorona. I did see that. I saw that too. I thought it was disappointing. I actually liked it better than The Nun, but it hasn't been great. Actually, in fact, the only uh, spinoff to The Conjuring that I have liked has been the second Annabelle film, the prequel, yes. Annabelle Creation, I That believe. David Sandberg did. Yeah, David that's... That's the only one that I thought was successful and actually legitimately scary. Yeah, I like the idea behind Curse of La Llorona, but yeah. the execution is just la- it's kind of lazy. Yeah, and why was it rated R? Oh, I don't know. Is it even? I actually kind of liked La Llorona. I mean, I, but I was also I didn't really have any expectations for it. But I'm also a gigantic fan of the way that universe moves their cameras. Um, James Wan, obviously, with producing it, doing Conjuring 1 and 2, I love the fluidity of his camera work. Right. Uh, and there's these like really cool like Evil Dead Sam Raimi-type shots as we POV into a house really quickly. I thought that was... Also, shout-out to the practical effects in that movie. Um, yeah. La Llorona is done through a real actor, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with actress with prosthetics, and it, it was really well... It looked really scary, well done, in my opinion. The practicality of Linda... Cardellini's Cardellini. character like being flown across the room. It, it was very, it, especially considering the house element of it, it, it reminded me a lot of what Sam Raimi did with Evil Dead. Now, I don't think La Llorona is a classic horror film by any means, but it it was entertaining enough. Uh, I think Jake and I were talking about this. It was a little, it felt longer than it was in, yeah, in, the, in, the, really in the middle. Mm. But uh, I thought Raymond Cruz is really good. He plays Tuco from Breaking Bad. Um, it was fine. I, I, I didn't I didn't dislike it. I thought it was a genuinely 
you know, just an, a solid horror film. I, I liked it better than Pet Cemetery. I really did. And, I, and I'm not comparing, they're different horror films, but I thought La Llorona was a better movie. I really do. And Pet Cemetery to me was a mess, but we can get into that later. But I, I, I know, Sean, you liked it. I, I just found the first half to be horrible. The hey. last half is great. But hey. the overall, though, I thought La Llorona, I, I, if you're a fan of those franchises, like I, I think Conjuring 1 and 2 are the pinnacle. And I think Jake would agree those are probably the best ones. Uh, and then some of the Annabelles, like you mentioned, Sandberg's uh, Annabelle, there's some pretty freaky stuff in those movies. Mm-hmm. The, you know, those movies have made $1.5 billion. They're incredible. Yeah. I know that franchise is massive. Unreal. Unreal. Well, they keep making spinoffs of it. And they're going to make another Conjuring, they're making Conjuring 3, which is going to take they place They also don't inside. cost anything. Yeah, there's that. I, sure. I'd, I'd love to know what the total cost of all the films Oh, uh, probably like under fifty million. After after all is said and done, I would assume. Uh, I mean, those two no. movies are pretty expensive. Well, Conjuring Two, I think, was probably the most. Expensive. That was probably close to twenty million. But I, I'd have yeah. to look that up. But I think I bet you Conjuring One was under ten. Well, and now that Patrick Wilson was in Aquaman, good luck paying him to come back for for a third. <laughs> he, Conjuring. He, he wants that Aquaman money. King Orm. All right, blend game for this week is hashtag RDJ blend. Not an easy one to choose, uh, considering this man's body of work. Uh, we are either picking favorite or best. No one really knows. Uh, so it's up to you, depending on which one you want to you want to defend. And Jake, I've been told you get to go first, my friend. Uh, I picked favorites. I'm going to okay. go with my favorite. Okay. And I often time there's something about picking the obvious choice that I personally don't like doing. Like okay. whenever I know that there's like one big glowing, I instantly go, okay, well I can't pick that. So let me like look at the other ones. And I got to be honest. I could not find myself picking anything other than Iron Man, than Tony Stark, just the role. I mean, we're talking about one of the greatest, what will go down in history as the greatest, one of the greatest superhero performances of all time. And what he's done with that character, what he's been able to do with that character over the course of X number of films that he's been in, the layers that he's brought to him. Um, the, 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 the moments, the classic moments, everything about that, it's both him and not him. Uh, I don't. I, I wouldn't go as far as saying it's his best performance because if I'm doing best, I've got to give it to Tropic Thunder. But just everything about Tony Stark is I. I, I if I whenever I see him in a room, my first thought goes to Iron Man, and I you know I, I have to give it to him uh, for for that. So that's my choice is 100% Tony Stark and Iron Man. All right, I go next, and mine is also uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. Um, because for all the reasons you said, I think that he is just, that's him, right? That's, and, and it's, I don't, I don't know, but maybe Evans as Steve Rogers, but I don't know who else I would put above him in terms of, and I guess Hugh Jackman is Wolverine, right? Are those the ones that we're talking? And uh, as just like perfect, yeah. perfect casting. Yeah. Definitely um, Hugh Jackman and Robert Downey Jr. Oh, yeah. are, are, I would argue the two best casting choices in the history of superhero movies. But I didn't pick the first Iron Man. Um, I picked... My favorite Tony Stark movie would have to be Infinity War, Ooh. since it's my favorite Marvel movie. See, then, Spide, I, mean, I guess I would go with that scene. too. So I, I picked more like Iron Man and the character of Tony Stark. But yeah, For if sure. I'm doing specific, I would I would agree with you 100. I think Infinity War is the right call because I don't even think that like I'm not I don't feel bad about picking Infinity War because I also think Infinity War is a great Iron Man movie. Like he gets a lot to yeah. do in that film. He's significant when the um, when Thanos's children arrive in New York. And Great he gets scene. one of when the funniest he walks lines. Into his suit. Oh. oh, it's tremendous. Um, he sacrifices himself by leaving Pepper. He gets a. It, he's it, the Iron Man fights against Thanos are 
significant. Amazing. And his interactions with Brolin are great. When Brolin's like, you know, <laughs> half the world is going to be left. I really hope they remember you. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, just devastating. So I, I went yeah. with Infinity War because uh, despite all of Downey's memorable films, the what do we always say? Uh, when the obituary is written, uh, what's going to be written in the first paragraph? Like Downey Jr. will be remembered as playing Tony Stark in oh, the yeah. MCU. That, that's it. So Did you guys I mean, always say that? Uh, I always say that. That's a, Too great, much that's often. a great quote. It's, it's that's really a great morbid. quote. Yeah, I say it all the time. I'm always talking about people's obituaries. Sean, did you read about um, Tony Stark's favorite TV show of all time? Mm, let me think about this. You haven't heard about uh, this? I don't know if I know this oh, one. Jake, 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 obituary you? will say the guy who killed Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> Jake, <laughs> what is read, it? Did you read about this? I didn't. No. It's Tony no? Stark's favorite TV show of all time is Tony <laughs> Stark's and Recreation. Ah, that. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Kevin, right. you're up. Um, uh, yeah, it's funny because, like, it, it, Tony Stark is obviously the most iconic character he's played, but I think my favorite <laughs> performance of his is Tropic Thunder. Oh, uh, good call. I, I just think that performance was so spot on to, like, method actors and the idea of people <laughs> really just really taking their craft entirely too seriously. Um, that character... It, what I found interesting about that character was just the I love the in-depth look into the movie business, mm-hmm. but also just how seriously he took himself. Um, and I thought that he nailed that performance. And listen, I, I think that movie would have a problem being made today because there's a lot of very offensive things going on in that film. Oh, but Lord. I mean, especially some of the Ben Stiller stuff and the uh, so. But I, but on a performance standpoint, I want to say that. I think Downey Jr. in that role was my favorite thing he's done as an actor. Um, And I just think uh, what he was tapping into, uh, what he was calling out about actors, what essentially he's calling out his own field of work uh, in a sense of just the idea of the, you know, people taking themselves too seriously. I just think that he was brilliant in that performance. And I think there are so many scenes that that movie is great because it works as simultaneously as an action film and also a comedy. The action's really good in that movie. It's really oh, yeah. well shot. I mean, like, the helicopter sequences, and I, I don't know. I, I found that film to be such a surprise. I, I remember seeing it, not knowing Tom Cruise was in the movie. That Tom Cruise performance is iconic. That's one of his fav- my favorite roles of his as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but Downey Jr., I mean, listen, Iron Man and Tony Stark clearly are very, very uh, popular choices to take. I just think the Tropic Thunder... That character, what's his? I'm trying to remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, Kirk uh, Lazarus. No. Kirk Lazarus. Yeah. Yeah, Kirk that's Lazarus. right. My yeah. favorite. My, my, when that movie opened up with the, the the fake trailers and like the movies, he. I mean, I, I, I think the fake trailers in the beginning were more from Ben Stiller's character, but yeah. it was so well executed. And I, I remember just, they had it was like a, like what was it like three time Academy Award winner <laughs> Kirk Lazarus, and then yeah. best, MTV Best Kiss Award winner Tobey Maguire, <laughs> and, and, and it goes into that like romantic like terrible vibey like I'm trying like, to remember, like the kind of music they would put in a Miramax trailer. Yeah, right. It's like this, I remember like it's all like it's completely overexposed. Satan's Alley. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that movie at the premiere. I remember I was at the premiere for Tropic Thunder in Los Angeles and I was covering the carpet um, for radio, I think at the time. And Tom Cruise was on the carpet and I didn't understand why. No one knew he was in the movie yet. Oh, uh, God. Because no one. And I remember watching the film with the cast and then seeing the Tom Cruise character and still not knowing it was Tom Cruise. Uh, until I, the until the end, I actually did not know that was Tom Cruise. 
until That's the credits brilliant. rolled. I will and go they, back and watch that on YouTube now because his performance in that scene is so brilliant. Oh my god, his the whole thing with McConaughey. Like isn't, isn't McConaughey like an agent in the film? Yeah. He, play, yeah. he plays. My Stiller's agent wants Stiller's a TiVo. Agent. My agent gets a TiVo. <laughs> it's like so <laughs> classic. Um, but again, I, I I will say just you know to that movie does have some very offensive things in it. Um, but you know going back to Robert Downey Jr.'s character, I just think from a performance standpoint, I thought well, he did a good job. I want to point out one quick thing too. I saw James. Jamie Foxx on Joe Rogan's podcast one time and they got around to talking about they were talking about blackface and they were talking about the thing, things that are racist in the industry and they got onto Tropic Thunder right and Jamie Foxx said when he watched that and he he talked to several other African-American uh, performers who felt this way also they wanted to be mad but it was so good that he's like, I couldn't be mad at it. But the character does it out of, like, he's doing it out of stupidity. Like, in yes. the sense of, like, he, the character is trying too hard to be this yeah. actor. So it, it, it didn't, what Downey did with the character, I, I could see that not being offensive. But, well, you know, that And I concept, also think, yeah. I think nowadays no other actor would be brave enough to no. even try that part. Right? Did he get nominated? I mean, that, that's the difference. Yeah, he did. He, did. he lost to uh, Heath Ledger. But that's the difference. What Kirk Lazarus does is ignorance. What Robert Downey Jr. does is brilliant. Yes. Right. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, ignorance is true. the exact word for it. The character. Yeah. But but Robert plays it in a way that is so ignorant that you <laughs> under, that you just laugh at how stupid he is. Yeah. So it, that's, why, that's where I think the offensive element of it that's least. why when the joke when he says what do you mean you people right <laughs> he says and then he goes, the what other. do you mean you people <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. what was the name of that do you guys remember the character uh who was drinking was it called booty sweat booty yes sweat. Remember, that was before it. the trailers before the trailers is a commercial for, <laughs> and that's what threw me off whenever i first saw it yes. because even because if i'd seen the first trailer you would have seen ben stiller but the first thing you see is a commercial for booty sweat Oh my god! Dude, and then remember I, he like works it whenever they're walking through the jungle, yeah. and he somehow works into the script. He goes, "I'm so thirsty. Thank God I have a can of this booty sweat." I'm <laughs> Vietnam. The concept of that movie was actually really clever. The idea of the dropping these guys idea. into a war zone, oh, yeah. and, and then actually having them fight for their lives. It was. I mean, there's some really clever. I think didn't Justin Thoreau write that script? Yeah. I think that was like I his think script. He did. Yeah, Jake, did, I think you, he did. Jake, did you think that Downey Jr. should have won? Uh, not, not over Ledger, but if Ledger wasn't nominated, do you think Downey could have won? Ah, oh, that was tough. Because that was also the year of Philip Seymour. Wasn't Philip Seymour Hoffman nominated for Doubt? Yeah. Oh, God, he, was he Hoffman really? Is a, I think so. I could be but wrong. Jake, Correct me if I'm wrong. You think uh, that's Downey's best performance, though? Yes. I think so, too. I, I think from an acting standpoint... Like the way he plays that ignorance, I think ignorance is the perfect yeah. word for it. He yeah. plays it perfectly. <laughs> it's, it's, he's such an idiot. The uh, character. Heath Ledger wins for the Joker. He beat Josh Brolin for Milk. Oh wow! He beat Downey Jr. for Tropic Thunder. Philip Seymour Hoffman for Doubt, and Michael Shannon for Revolutionary Road. Wow. That's, that's a good. A that's a good category. Those are five performances that still hold up to this Ledger day. Yeah, Brolin was great uh, in Milk. Philip Seymour Hoffman's yeah, amazing yeah, Philip, yeah. in doubt. You, you ever you ever watch Family Guy? You ever seen uh, that yeah. uh, that thing that Peter Griffin says about like you know it really grinds my gears? I, I, yeah. I, 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 the one thing that I don't get mad often, but the one thing that makes me genuinely mad is when people say that Ledger won because he died. I, I find that to be such a terrible thing to say because and, and, I, and I understand where people are coming from that performance was one of the greatest performances of all time of all Kevin time. please ask Brolin what it felt like to go up against uh 
Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder and uh, yeah. Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. I would that's love funny. just his I, answer. I didn't realize Brolin was nominated against Downey, and now they're fighting in, in uh, Endgame. That's actually that's why funny. they're fighting. They're still mad at each other for that reason. <laughs> that, that's the entire ending of Endgame is like is like Brolin and and Downey get on stage and fight it out for the Oscar. <laughs> I would watch that. All right, audience picks. Obviously, Caitlin Albers agrees with Kevin. Uh, she picked Tropic Thunder. Kimberly Sue uh, picks her performance. Performance is Iron Man. Uh, the Film Assist blog says, obviously, it's Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is another really great film by Shane Black. Justin Black, yeah. Scott oh, yeah, Frazier Shane. goes back to uh, Chaplin. says Chaplin is uh, his best performance or role. I don't know if that's favorite or not. Next week, we're going to keep it Also, on. Zodiac. Don't forget about Zodiac. Yeah, I just couldn't pick Zodiac because it's such a depressing movie. And, he's, and he, he disappears about halfway he through. He does, for a big chunk of it, yes. Uh, next week, we're going to play... Uh, Scarlett Johansson. We're going to do Scarlett Johansson oh, uh, and go through her films. We will use hashtag ScarJoBlend. Hashtag ScarJoBlend because Scarlett Johansson is a long one to spell out. And most of you guys will spell Johansson wrong. So we're going to make it a lot easier for you. <laughs> by the way, uh, shout out to myself. her, by the way. There, I was watching Age of Ultron the other night. Um, and my, one of my favorite scenes in that whole film is when they're trying to lift Thor's hammer off that table. Uh, at that party, you know what scene I'm referring to, yeah, and, yeah. And, and then they look over at ScarJo because this is—I t- I felt like this was a very Joss Whedon type line. Oh they yeah, and, totally. And, and, and they go, you know, hey, you want to try it? And she goes, oh, I don't need. What does she say? I don't need. I don't need. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't need, need that, that question answered. The way she delivers that line is so great. I mean, it is it's really like, good. She's listen. I, Black Widow, I think, is a very underrated character in the MCU. Um, I think there's a lot of. You know, everyone talks about Captain America, Iron Man. I think Black Widow. I mean, especially wasn't she part of the Winter Soldier bridge fight? I mean, that's that's yeah. an epic fight scene. It's one of the greatest scenes ever. I, I really cannot wait. I wish she was the person who got the first uh, female-led Marvel film. I think that character is very interesting to me. She came close. I'm yeah, assuming Black Widow is going to be the next one that they make. But we'll why find out. wouldn't that have been great if it had been a Black Widow movie before Endgame? And there would have been such like a sense of tragedy to her like original to her backstory, and that would have brought so much more weight to Endgame. Yeah, yeah, potentially. I think she's still a significant character. I liked Ultron more the uh, more as a, on a rewatch. I th- I think Spader's really great in that role. That's a great performance from him. But I mean, it's 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 a mess of a movie at times. But the opening, oh my god, that continuous <laughs> shot as they're all fighting in the language, and I mean, it was it was a great scene when they all jumped together. Yeah, it's epic. It's better than Justice League, that's for sure. All right, I would listen, agree with that. That, that's that yeah, means okay. nothing. Follow us on social media. Jake is at, at Jake's Takes. Kevin is at, at Kevin McCarthy TV, and I'm at Sean underscore O'Connell. Of course, you can follow us at the Real Blend Twitter account. At Real Blend, um, you can also send us a review either on iTunes. You can email them to this at realblend at cinemablend.com. We'll be back next week with episode number 66. Uh, we're going to be reacting to Avengers Endgame because by the time we record next, all of us will have seen it, uh, which means I'll be freaking out daily between now and the time that that happens. Kevin has one yeah. more thing to add. Yes, Sean, uh, I, yeah. already, I told you guys... Tony Stark's favorite TV show of all time. Yes, right? it was I Tony, have heard that before. Tony Stark's and Recreation. Stark's and Recreation. Yes. Have you heard about his second favorite TV show? We're gonna. We're, I promise you guys, we will end it on this one. I Jake, you have, Jake, you haven't heard about this one yet? I checked out like ten minutes ago. <laughs> what is it? It's Tony. Are you afraid of the Stark? Is that a TV show? Yeah, I was afraid. Are you afraid of the dark, man? You remember that show? We should. We should wrap. It's called Nick at Night. Pressing stop on my audio recording. (laughs) Do you guys not remember a Snick at Night? Dunkirk and all that shit. All right, right, bye everybody. Dunkirk, Dunkirk, and all of that nonsense. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.